Welcome to the Cultural Life of the Nobel Prize in Literature podcast, where we explore the literature prize's social, ideological, and institutional functions as the most recognized literary honor in the world. Amidst mounting skepticism towards the legitimacy and credibility of the Nobel as an arbiter of global literary excellence, its status as the preeminent literary prize remains. However, our understanding of the uses of the Literature Prize's prestige has yet to be fully fleshed out. We believe it is important to think about what we stand to gain and lose by preserving the global significance of the Nobel. So in this podcast series, we speak with scholars and writers from around the world to discuss the Nobel Prize in Literature's prominence as a signifier of meaning, a structuring of discourse, and even a narrative motif in different cultures and societies. So today we have Dr. Howard Choi with us on the Cultural Life of the Nobel Prize in Literature podcast. For our episode today with Dr. Choi, who is a very prolific scholar in uh, the scholarship of Chinese literature, um, I would like to uh, talk to Dr. Choi and ask him more about uh, the Nobel Prize in Literature in the Chinese-speaking world. Um, so maybe we could start off with a, a question of sorts about uh, the role of the Nobel Prize in your career, right, Dr. Choi? Because as I've mentioned, mm-hmm. you've been uh, a scholar, an observer of Chinese literature um, through the lens of an English-speaking world of sorts, right, uh, for, for at least a few decades, right? And then you've already published a very highly cited book um, on Deng's era of Chinese literature. So maybe I can ask you is, what is the role of the Nobel Prize in literature in your scholarship and teaching? Uh, because my uh, background uh, is a, a doctoral training in comparative literature. So um, always already, um, I'll have a, um, a, a, a global uh, vision that will bring uh, to my teaching. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when I was teaching in the USA, uh, I offer uh, courses in Chinese literature and film, and uh, bring uh, I I brought to students attention of uh, uh, Chinese writings and including Gao Xingjian's uh, drama, uh, his early avant-garde drama, uh, Bus Stop. Uh, and now, when I'm ta- teaching in Hong Kong. Uh, I will bring my comparative perspective to uh, uh, Chinese students in Hong Kong. And of course, I have a PhD uh, advices uh, from foreign countries, I mean, from non, uh, not from China too. But then uh, I will bring to Chinese students uh, their, uh, I mean, some insights uh, from, for example, uh, Sinology. And by Sinology, uh, I'm not taking the conventional sense of Sinology uh, in a sense of, um, uh, just uh, linguistics, uh, uh, etymology, phonology, uh, Confucianism, Taoism, things like that. I also, I, I also brought it uh, to uh, modern and contemporary and uh, make it very interdisciplinary. And as you can see from my recent publications, uh, I'm also concerned about, uh, uh, for example, health humanities, medical uh, humanities. Uh, and now uh, I have a, a new book series, uh, being the chief editor, one of the two chief editors on uh, the Anthropocene, uh, mm-hmm. the Asian and African Anthropocene. So, so this this global vision 
in a sense, not only in the sense of, um, I mean, bilingual approach, uh, not only uh, world literature, but also across uh, disciplinary approaches. Yeah, and, and, and in this sense, uh, the Nobel Prize of literature uh, brings us to uh, this global mission. Yeah. And, uh, I'm, I'm wondering when you, uh, when you teach or when you introduce a writer in an article, um, do you find like certain prizes uh, having a, like a more suit suitable function for a specific topics? Like I, I'm not exactly about the Nobel Prize, but maybe just in terms of different prizes from different cultures. Like let's say when you talk about, uh, of course, when we talk about Gao Zhenjian, we have to mention the Nobel Prize, but do you think mentioning uh, Gao, for example, uh, to like a mainland audience, do you think mentioning Nobel Prize is uh, an effective one or, um, yeah, so on and so forth? Uh, does, <laughs> that, does that, does that uh, come into consideration? Which prizes do you use to introduce writers? Let's just say that. Uh, well, it's very interesting. Uh, when we mentioned the Nobel Prize, uh, of, I mean, in literature, and I mean, especially um, Mo Yan, uh, here in Hong Kong, uh, especially students from mainland China, uh, they feel very proud of it. Mm. Uh, they deem it a, a big thing, a major achievement uh, in Chinese literature. Uh, but back to the USA in the classroom, uh, most of students would not have ever, uh, especially my survey class, uh, they have never heard about the name Mo Yan nor Gao Xingjian. Mm. And so it's more introducing to them. And, the, the, the Nobel Prize, uh, actually, we uh, would remind them that all um, Chinese, um, contemporary Chinese writers, or, or, or uh, like Gao Xingjian, uh, a French Chinese writer, um, uh, they are very um, significant. They are making contributions uh, to world literature, too. But then um, there's also a difference when we talk about other prizes. Uh, for example, the Newman Prize. Uh, offered by awarded by uh, University of Oklahoma. Uh, their statement from the website is that the Newman Prize for Chinese literature is awarded by by annually in recognition of outstanding achievement in prose or poetry that best captures the human condition and is conferred solely. Now this is solely on the basis of literary merit. So uh, of course, they also have a mission statement that is to advance mutual trust in, uh, in US uh, and China relations. But then um, I, will, I will use uh, a Newman Prize. I will mention Newman Prize at uh, their choices of picking uh, uh, these awardees, uh, including uh, writers from mainland China, Taiwan, and Hong Kong. So um, because this is more based on uh, literary merits, and then uh, we'll, I mean, analyze with my US students uh, in terms of uh, literary styles, how these Chinese writers uh, uh, would write. But then in Hong Kong, we also consider another prize. That is, uh, you know, I'm teaching at Hong Kong Baptist University. And every two years, we also have an award, which is called the Dream of the Red Chamber Award. And now this award is, more from a Chinese perspective. Um, although we also uh, give awards um, uh, to uh, mainland Taiwan and Hong Kong, uh, or even overseas writers will consider. But then uh, the committee itself is um, 
I mean, it's composed of members, uh, mainly Chinese, uh, including uh, Menendez Hong Kong scholars. And uh, there's always one international jury uh, member. Uh, for example, before it was Michael Berry. Yeah, uh, and now uh, yes. Carlos Ojas. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So we will add international uh, aspect. But then, but then um, in Hong Kong, uh, when I mention and teach, uh, in addition to the Nobel Prize, uh, I also introduce works. Uh, there, there, there are water uh, works uh, by, I mean, uh, Dream of the Red Chamber Award that uh, the students will find interesting too. Yeah. yeah, I think your approach to uh, choosing <laughs> what awards to introduce yeah. writers uh, is a very nuanced one, right? Because I see mm -hmm. you go into the mission statements, right? You, you don't equate all prizes at the same. Um, you don't assume all prizes are no. uh, to recognize um, purely literary uh, factors or elements, right? You 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 see different prizes have a different emphasis and that becomes mm. a, a starting point for yeah. whatever you want to discuss. Um, mm. So I think that's, uh, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a very important thing to think about, right? Because I think um, the reason why the Nobel Prize is uh, the most recognized one uh, mm. around the world is precisely because it's not only about literature. Right, right. If we go into the, "Quote unquote," like mission statement or the statute, right? Uh, the, out, yeah. the Nobel will is it, it, it emphasized on the most outstanding literature uh, in the most idealistic direction, right? So there is this qualifier here, and mm. I don't think that's the case in, let's say, the Newman Prize, right? Right. Uh, but the Newman Prize also has um, the words, um, like what I mentioned, human condition. But then, uh, in like you just quote from uh, uh, Alfred Nobel's will, that the idealistic uh, direction is very important. Often, uh, uh, people ask me, why don't you think, uh, for example, certain uh, Taiwan writer uh, will not be awarded the Nobel Prize? And uh, don't you think uh, this poet or novelist skill is actually, uh, I mean, uh, well, at least comparable uh, to Wu Yan. And, and I always remind uh, people that uh, look at the will of uh, uh, Alfred Nobel. It's actually the direction has to be ide idealistic. And <clears throat> for example, if we look back, um, well, of course, if we go back all the way to two world wars, we will find more uh, awarded uh, writers uh, whose words are, are, are more towards um, the idealistic direction. But even in this peaceful time, so-called so -called peaceful time, uh, if, we, if we look uh, from the year 2000 uh, to now, um, we still find a lot of, I mean, in uh, every year uh, when a writer is awarded uh, the Nobel uh, Prize, uh, they, there's a statement and, and, and there are, a, uh, there are always two versions. One is a longer version with more explanation uh, why this is awarded to, to her or him. And there will also be a very short, a precise a version appear on the official, uh, official website. If you look at that, um, bear me with, I mean, give me some time. So I will quote some examples uh, for you. For example, last year, 2021, then the writer, I mean, was awarded because the effect of colonialism. Mm. 
and the phase of refugee. So we have the, the, this refugee crisis in recent years, right? Uh, back in 2020, it's because of, of concern about individual existence. And then 2019, the concern about the periphery uh, and the uh, specificity of human experience. And 2015 is um, a, a monument to suffering and courage in our time. Uh, 2014, and more about human destinies. And to, I, I'll skip a couple. Okay, 2010, we find that it's more about the images of individuals, resistance, revolts, and defeat. 2009, concerned about the uh, disposed. 2008, uh, it's about humanity beyond and below the reigning civilization. 2007, female existence. Now, occasionally, uh, the female is an element, okay? And 2006, uh, the clash and internalizing of cultures. 2005, oppressions close rooms. Well, this, I mean, the, the phrase I quote from, from them. 2004 is uh, that, uh, that the writer's work uh, reveal, reveal the absurdity of societies and cliche and their subjugating power to uh, 2002. And again, for the third time in the past uh, 20 years, we find the word individual. This is the third time. So, well, it says um, the writer's works, uh, the writer's work opposed the fragile existence, again, existence of the individual against the barbaric uh, arbitrariness of history. And then, and the last one, 2001, um, the writer's uh, works compel us to see the presence of suppressed uh, histories. So, I mean, only for a couple of years, we don't see this kind of wording concerning about uh, the refugee, the individual, human destinies, uh, things like that. But interestingly, I mean, when we talk about uh, the two uh, Chinese winners, uh, if you still consider Gao Xingjian as Chinese in a way, right, um, by, by, uh, by his origin. So neither Gao Xingjian nor Mo Yan were awarded, I mean, with this highlighting of their uh, investigation of the human condition. But most of the time, the Nobel Prize awarded them. But that doesn't mean that they are not concerned about uh, the, human, the human condition or, or, or idealistic direct, uh, direction uh, when, they, when they award to Gao Xingjian and, and Wu Yan. Yeah, that's why I, I want to ask you about this because, of course, the, the Nobel Prize uh, people often consider as like a peace prize in disguise, right? Precisely <laughs> because of that qualifier of the idealist direction. So maybe I can bring us back to China, right? And yeah, of course, loosely understood in terms of the writers, uh, Gao and Mo Yan. Um, and uh, a lot of not only readers, right, but also critics around the world, they consider Gao Xinjian and Mo Yan as uh, almost like opposites. And um, mm. Do you think this is a, a, a purely stylistic issue? And also to follow up on this is, mm. uh, if it's not a purely stylistic issue, then what are the other factors that are involved in terms yeah. of how we, sorry, and how we receive a Chinese language Nobel laureate? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in your description, uh, I think the key word, uh, which is quite uh, accurate is opposite. 
opposite. Uh, we often can do a, a statistic comparison uh, between the two, these two writers, Gao Xingjian and Mo Yan. Uh, I, I, I often use the word uh, minimalism for, for Gao Xingjian, and especially when he advocates uh, cold literature. So cold literature, of course, um, to a large extent, is distancing uh, uh, himself and his works uh, from politics. And, and, um, and uh, in addition to, to this minimalism, uh, Liu Zaifu said that uh, he, in his article published in uh, um, um, Mengbo Monthly, uh, Liu Zaifu uh, says, here I quote from him, he says, um, uh, Gao Xingjian represents the, the salon aesthetics of European eminent intellectuals. So that means Gao Xingjian's writings are very, very kind of cold, very intellectual and even well, philosophical. And, and, and more yet, on the other hand, represent more uh, for its uh, folklore, folk culture, uh, mixing traditional Chinese culture with uh, Western methodology. And, 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 but but more yet style, uh, as opposed uh, to Gao Xingjian, I would call it maximalism. Now, this maximalism is found, for example, uh, in this deep description of um, the scenes in a story or his characters. It's more colorful. And, 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 and that's why. Zhang Yimou, uh, well, has, uh, well, I mean, you know, make films based on Mo Yan because, I mean, the color, uh, the colors in Mo Yan's uh, uh, novels will help um, the, uh, I mean, uh, the director to visualize uh, the stories. So, but talking about the color, we are using, I'm using a metaphor uh, from art, right, from visual art. And then that will also remind us of another genre or, uh, or, or production that Gao, Ye, uh, Gao Xingjian uh, is well known, and that is his ink paintings. If you look at more, uh, uh, Gao Xingjian's ink paintings, is, is basically most of them are black and white. And he, he will push to the extreme of, I mean, to the, the minimal um, using of color, and that basically, basically white is on the paper. And basically he used black, just, just one color. Yeah, and, and with the use of water and, and ink, uh, they will give a, a different aesthetics, uh, a more cold, a more like Zen Buddhist style, as opposed to what I just said, more Yan's a colorful approach uh, to literature. So this is the stylistic uh, opposition uh, that we can observe from uh, comparing the two. But there are, of course, other factors. Yeah. Yeah, so I, um, that's what I'm interested in, right? Because I feel like Stylistically, they may have a different, very contrasting approaches, as you've right. just uh, very detailed elaborated. But the reception of them seems to go beyond just a, a stylistic preference, right? Because I, I, I would argue that the uh, the mainland Chinese audience would also appreciate uh, this type of black and white Zen Buddhist. Mm -hmm. Influence, right? I think even like Mo Yan, you know, Sansei Pelo, right? Uh, he also hmm. it alludes to that type of Buddhist notions as well. So I think there's definitely overlaps. And th so that's what I'm interested in, right? Like it seems the, the reception of them, the polarizing reception, and I'm not just only talking about China, but globally is, hmm. is very uh, polarizing or very contrasting in between them. So what do readers in general expect? of a Chinese language Nobel laureate? Yeah, I think Chinese uh, readers and Western uh, audience uh, have uh, different expectations. 
uh, Chinese readers usually expect uh, the kind of, uh, I mean, for example, for Mo Yan, just a uh, good storytelling uh, and uh, stories that can touch them and or remind them for the older generation of Chinese um, uh, history, uh, 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 modern history of China. Yeah, but then uh, Western readers, um, uh, these other factors include political and ideological concerns. That actually both writers, <clears throat> both writers have uh, political and ideological concerns, but their approaches are also different. Uh, just like what I said, Gao Xingjian um, advocates uh, co-literature in his uh, famous uh, uh, collection of essays as Vidotisms, Meiyuzhuyi. Vidotism uh, is that I mean, get rid of all those ideology and just go into art. You can say to a certain extent. He uses uh, art for art's sake to resist uh, the impact of politics and ideologies on his writing. Now, Mo Yan, we've added different approaches, uh, different approach. Uh, Western uh, sinologists or scholars uh, like Ufgan Kubin um, uh, uh, have um, criticized um, Mo Yan uh, for not really. Uh, I mean, criticizing the Chinese government, but but thinking of Mo Yi and his situation, he's in mainland China. Uh, I well, I, people also criticize uh, Mo Yi for, for example, uh, among the writers uh, copying Mao Zedong's mm. uh, and Yan On talks in 1942. But then I would separate this to a certain extent because in mainland China, and we all know that uh, Mo Yi is actually from the army, and I mean, how much he could do. And he has also concern about his family and people around him. But then it doesn't mean that uh, there's no history. Like Ufgong Kubin in Lingnan University criticized that I, I really couldn't find any history in Moyen's reign, which I, I could not uh, really agree. But that also depends on how you, how you expand history in fiction. But then uh, uh, I would say Moyen quite often, uh, he would criticize the Chinese government just using different ways. Uh, just give uh, us a, a, a couple examples, uh, if I could. Uh, for example, uh, in his 11 novels, uh, if you look at the uh, West Sorghum uh, family, uh, there, uh, um, there are some episodes of criticism. For example, uh, in the West Sorghum family, both uh, granddad or grandpa and father are disappointed by the Chinese Communist Party. And so when, uh, when the character Five Troubles, who is a member of the Iron Society, uh, tells uh, the male protagonist, Yu Zhanao, that he is neither a communist nor a KMT or nationalist, and he hates them both. And Yu Zhanao approves him. He said, I like your spirit. And then when Five Troubles, the same character asks Yu Zhanao, who should rule over China after the Japanese were driven out, so that means after the Second World War or the Second Sino-Japanese War, and Yu Zhao replies, that has nothing to do with me. All I know is that no one would dare take a bite over my dick. And what would, what would you say if the communists were in, in charge when they snorted uh, contemptuously out of one nostril? How about the nationalist is snorted out of the other nostril? So this reflects the, the attitude yeah, in the words of the Bandix of Mo Yan's, uh, I mean, uh, stand between uh, the CCP and the KMT, uh, at least uh, before 1949. 
And then this is one example. And if you see, if you look at um, his later, well, uh, the Red Sorghum family, his, his first novel. The second one published in 1988, the Garlic Ballets, is direct criticism uh, of the Chinese officials. Uh, of course, Kubin, we said, that, oh, this is a criticism of local or low-ranking officers, and there's no really direct attack and the top leaders. But but we consider how Cambodian do that, and he's still in mainland China, like I said. And and Jiu Guo, the Republic of Wine, using another interesting structure to to criticize the still going on cannibalism that still exists in China. Uh, I mean, many years after Lu Xun's uh, uh, Man's Diary, right? And 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 his last novel, uh, the one before he got the Nobel Prize in 2009, was Frog. And Frog is a is a powerful uh, uh, criticism of the one-child policy in China uh, from a very special perspective. So he really, if we just look at his novels, I just gave three examples. He really criticized the Chinese government in a way that that Gao Xunjian would not do. Gao Xunjian would just distance himself from from that. Yeah. yeah. I I think that you mentioned about uh, how Mo Yan is uh, almost like a protest writer of source, right? I think Professor Chan, Professor Shelley Chan, her book mm. also paints yeah, yeah, yeah. similar framework. Uh -huh. um, and what I I've been thinking about this recently, and I and I'm wondering like what what your thoughts about this is. Uh, like you mentioned, Mo Yan is a very political writer. Of course, some would argue he's not. It's not yeah, 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 yeah. Right, but he's still very political. Whereas yeah. for Gao, he's someone that is uh, at least he emphasizes that he's not political, right? He really wants to brand himself as a writer that's like you mentioned earlier, very cold, very detached. So one is like a social mm -hmm. writer, but the other one is more of like this modernist avant-garde writer who doesn't really want to touch politics, only cares about art. And mm -hmm. if we go back to the Nobel Prize, it seems like it is precisely Mo Yan's politics that allows him to win a Nobel Prize. And in Gao's case, it's also the politics. But yeah. the reason why the politics is also important is precisely because, as uh, I think Si Sui also talks about this, they don't highlight this with the Housens. Uh, it is precisely their political factors that actually helped them to win a Nobel Prize. Do, do you think that makes sense? Yes, yes. Even yeah. when, like in the case of Gao Xingjian, he has been detaching himself, uh, especially uh, after he exiled uh, away, I mean, from, from China uh, in 1989. Uh, but this um, detachment is also a political uh, attitude. The more the more detachment, the more refusing or rebutting, uh, rejecting of politics and ideologies, uh, the more we see how Gao Xingjian is still, is still thinking politically. Yeah, but this is just another way of, uh, of um, uh, I mean, looking at involving in, or by, by this involving in politics. Yeah. Yes, I think here then, um, I think it, it's something, I think all readers from around the world uh, whether in China or beyond, care about the politics a lot when when it comes to writers, I feel like, right? Like, you know, Jamieson would talk about the national allegory, how all these third world writers, right? They must right, right, have right. this political mission of sorts. And in China, it's the same. Like, they also expect their writers, at least the one that represents them, 
to be some sort of public intellectual, mm. right? Um, yeah, so I think it, it, the, in China, the, the, the Nobel Prize, because it's, it's prestige, um, they have this an, an heightened expectation towards the politics of their writers. Yeah, do you think that, that, that that's accurate? Yeah. Well, the Chinese has obsession, long obsession with the Nobel Prize in literature. And uh, well, actually, I mean, the more Nobel Prize they can get them, they're happier. But then uh, they will see it as an uh, 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 artistic achievement uh, of Chinese writers. Uh, uh, the Chinese government uh, would not like to see much uh, political color in the, uh, what is worth. And, and, and that's why recently we have uh, rumors that uh, Mo Yan again was criticized. He was criticized before the Nobel Prize, and now again in uh, in in, uh, uh, in the uh, current period uh, of uh, Xi Jinping, and there are another wave of uh, 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 criticism against Mo Yan. Uh, yeah. But but it's the same thing. Sad sad thing that I mean, uh, uh, Mo Yan is actually his was uh, 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 working the the dark sides of China and uh, appeasing uh, the Western uh, audience. So uh, the Chinese government would not like to see that, uh, nor, nor half of the Chinese people would like to, I mean, focus on the political side. But like you said, Western audience, they have their political eyes on these Chinese writers. Yeah. yeah. So I think one thing, you know, when we talk about the Nobel craze in China is, I would argue that their craze is not a blind craze, right? Like even though they mm -hmm. really, really want one, they only want one on their own terms, right? Mm -hmm. Like, give me Gaussian jet. No, I don't want it. You can French the French <laughs> the French people can have it, right? Something right, like right, that. right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that's something. Uh, I think that deserves more attention. But but I can add to that. Yeah, uh, yeah uh, Michael, I, I can add to that. Yes. Uh, if in the near future, I'm saying the near future. Okay, not long future. If in the near future, uh, within uh, your and my lifetime, we see the third uh, Chinese writer who will, be, uh, who will be awarded the Nobel Prize again, if that happened, well, I, I bet that uh, it's also political. Mm, yeah, yeah. And not avoid, uh, I mean, this politics, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, like you've already detailed the, for the last 20 years, the majority mm -hmm. of them, there is this emphasis, right, somehow, there's an emphasis in terms of the politics as well. And again, that maybe that's the reason why the Nobel Prize is the, the most recognized prize in the world, because people don't look at it as just a literature prize, right? They look at it as something much more beyond that. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. You're now listening to the Cultural Life of the Nobel Prize Literature Podcast. For more information, Please visit our website at nobelculturallife.wordpress.com. Now, back to the podcast. So maybe on that note, we can go into a, a specific theme of those politics, right? So let's mm -hmm. say literature is not created in a vacuum and it, it covers many things in the world. And one thing uh, I mm -hmm. think we've we observed, could observe, is the feature of disability. Um, so, uh, for example, Faulkner, Toni Morrison, Koesi, and the Chinese writers we just mentioned, Gao and Mo Yan, they all in a way experimented with marginalized perspectives, uh, specifically in terms of 
physical and cognitive impairments. Mm -hmm. uh, and and you, you, of course, have recently just published, uh, edited a book on diseases, right, as a yeah, yeah. course. And so I'm just wondering, from the perspective of Chinese literature in a global uh, context, what is the significance of disability? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, of course, disability is, uh, I mean, one of the uh, aspects of what we call uh, health humanities. Um, but then um, I would not only see disability as a metaphor. Mm. If uh, we recall Suzanne Sontag's uh, famous essay, Illness as a Metaphor, in which uh, sometimes people will, will misread it. I mean, uh, they will thought that uh, Suzanne Sontag is actually talking about uh, how we use illness as a metaphor, but no, no. I mean, Sontag's uh, conclusion of what he, she advocates uh, is the opposite. Uh, she would say that, I mean, uh, the metaphorical uh, uh, or metaphorization of TB and cancer, uh, 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 or later in her other long essay, uh, also very famous on AIDS, are actually mistreatments. This metaphorical interpretation of mistreatments. And she, she suggests that we should return to illness itself, uh, not to romanize it like in TB or to demonize it like uh, cancer and AIDS. And, and in this sense, I would say that um, this disability uh, should be approached as a metonymy. Uh, if we say that uh, uh, Franz Kafka's metamorphosis uh, many uh, scholars read it as a metaphor of the modern uh, humanistic crisis. Uh, but then in recent writings, for example, another uh, Chinese writer who is also uh, a candidate of the Nobel Prize uh, for, for the future is Yan uh, uh, Yan Ke. Uh, Yan pressure, Shou uh, Hua, uh, the Chinese origin pressure in 2004, is about, I mean, a village uh, which people are suffering from different kinds of disabilities. And, 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 and I would say we should not just read this as a metaphor of uh, the Chinese situation, but it's an autonomy, uh, which is more important from my point of view, because this metonymy is that it is it's true. It is part of the situation. It is not just on the other level as a metaphor, just like just like should we, if we go back to, I mentioned once before today, uh, Lu Xun's Man-Man's Diary. Uh, should we just read uh, the cannibalism in Man-Man's Diary, a metaphor? Should we read Mo Yan's Jiu uh, Guo, the Republic of Wine, the cannibalism there as just a metaphor? Or if it really is something um, actually happened, it's part of the reality. Mm -hmm. So that is a, uh, metademic approach to this ability uh, or the marginals. Yeah. yeah, I'm just wondering, can, can we include that idea of disability um, ah. into, let's say, in terms of marketing, like circulation of literature around the world as a marketing theme, um, or is there yeah. some type of uses that uh, we can, for like a global use, or maybe that goes back into the idea of metaphor, um, yeah, disability or pains you mentioned are a good uh, universal thing. Mm -hmm. If we argue that something is very Chinese, definitely Chinese, and other things are, are more Western specific, but pains shared by all humans. Mm -hmm. And then goes back to our, I mean, what we call human conditions. 
uh, I think that's a universal uh, theme that can, in that way, we can compare Chinese literature uh, with European, American, or other Asian literatures, uh, even Japanese literature. So we, and, and, and aesthetically, aesthetically, we have different approaches to things. Like the Ch uh, Chinese approach to things is, is, is so different from the Japanese because of, our, I mean, different cultures. And, and that's interesting. I mean, where all humans uh, share the pain, for example, the pain of COVID-19 uh, uh, is universal. In terms of the content, it's universal. But then the reaction to it, the writing of it, the aestheticization of it, and even poeticization of it will be very different. And that is where literature lies. Thank you for listening, and we hope you have enjoyed this conversation. You can learn more about the cultural life of the Nobel Prize in Literature at nobelculturallife.wordpress.com. Please also subscribe to our podcast on Spotify and all major podcast platforms. The Cultural Life of the Nobel Prize in Literature podcast is hosted by Michael Ka Chi Chuck. The production team is Audrey Chen, Celine Wong, and Gwen Wong. <laughs>